Amen. Thank you for that singing, that piano playing, all the instruments tonight. Yes. We're going to preach a message tonight. Really just a list of things. And I just turned my computer off. Here it comes back. It comes back on easier now because it sees this and comes on. Uh, some things I know. And I'm glad there are some things that we can know about the Word of God. We're going to read out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 14. And I'm glad that we can be confident in the Word of God. No errors in the Word of God. I'm glad that uh, that's what what helped. Preaching is not easy. Being a preacher or a pastor is not necessarily easy, but what helps it the most to be easy is that we can rely on the Word of God. We have something absolutely truthful to preach from. It's not that we don't go to the uh, library and find a very good author on something, although there's plenty of authors on things about God, but it's not what we preach from. We preach out of the Bible, the Word of God. The Second Timothy chapter one verse seven. <clears throat> For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, sometimes when we go through things in our lives, it for somebody that's lost or sometimes maybe we get discouraged enough and look at what's happened to us and we start thinking that, well, maybe this is not how I need to live because look what's happening to me anyway. But here Paul was telling Timothy, he says, he said, don't be ashamed of your testimony for the Lord. Don't be ashamed of what you go through. Look at what Jesus went through. He said, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now you can, you might, you know, momentarily think anyway, momentarily, that, boy, that's a great Christian right there, and I can see why God saved him. No, they might be a great Christian. They might be the best Christians living today. But God didn't save him because he's going to be a good Christian. God saved him for his purpose and for his reason and for his glory. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, amen, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So where does light and immortality come from? Through the gospel, through the word of God. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, Paul says, and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And listen, pay close attention to these final three verses. For the which cause I also suffered these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. And why was Paul not ashamed? For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words 
which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us now to preach from these scriptures some thoughts that you have given us. And, Lord, some things that we can know not because of our intelligence, not because of our upbringing, not because of uh, what we've learned in church but in the past, Lord, but because it's in the Word of God, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And really, uh, in just a little bit, we'll just give you just a list of things. <clears throat> it's all there is the sermon is tonight. It's not a one, you know, uh, A, B, C, one, two, three outline. Uh, but first I'll say this, years ago I heard somebody say this, said that Baptist preacher thinks he knows everything. Now I don't know what Baptist, I really don't know, have any idea what Baptist preachers they were talking about, but they were going to another denomination, which I will not, I will not mention, but I, will, I must say I did go to their church and he did seem to know a lot about planting flowers. <laughs> <laughs> now I, again, don't know what they were talking about. Uh, but the number one thing a good Baptist preacher knows is he does not know everything. Amen. If you ever start thinking that, you're just about washed up. But he knows what he knows, and he knows why he knows it, if he's a good preacher. And he knows it because the Bible tells him so. We don't need to base anything. We say, well, I know this is true, religiously speaking, unless it's in the Word of God. It's not that you know it. Not because I know it because I was raised, and that's what I was taught in Sunday school. That's what the preacher preached. Is it in the Word of God? That's right. Amen. If some of this is sort of, I don't know why, it's sort of a waste of money or, to me, in a way, I, I, I know why they do it. But some of these electronic road signs on the interstate now, they tell you that it's against the law to drive under the influence in North Carolina. Like, you know, this is a news alert. You know, there's a news alert, there's a, a wreck up ahead. There's a news alert, the road's going to be closed. News alert, there's ice on the roads. News alert, you can't drive drunk. <laughs> and that is true, and we know that's true. But just because it's on that sign don't make it true. Because you could put on that sign, in North Carolina, it's against the law to drive a Chevrolet, and Eddie would be furious. <laughs> but that wouldn't make it so, would it? That's right, right. It's against the law to drive drunk in North Carolina because there's a law on the books in Raleigh. Right. So they got books down there, and they can tell you what the laws are. I don't know all of them, right. but nobody knows all of them, but they're written down. Yeah. And so you've got to go to the books. And if you're talking about God, you've got to go to the book. Yes, sir. The things about God I know, and I mean no, I know because it's written in the Bible. So here's some things I know. Number one, I know who Jesus is. In John 4 and 42, the Samaritan woman was saved and she went and talked talk to the men and some of them got saved and some of them come back to her in verse 42 and said unto the woman now we believe not because of thy saying for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed 
This is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, I know Christ said it, but who revealed it to them that this was Jesus, the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit spoke to them as he spoke, just as it did to Peter. But Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And then he said, whom do ye say that I am? And Peter said in Matthew 16, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, he had been walking with Jesus, but who did Jesus say? Uh, uh, he said, man didn't tell you this, but the Holy Spirit told you this, Peter. Well, who told you when you got saved that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus really died on the cross, that Jesus paid for your sins. The Holy Spirit spoke to your heart. And that's how we know who Jesus is. We don't know who Jesus is because we come to a Baptist church. We don't know who Jesus is because we carry a King James 1611 Bible. We know who Jesus is because in that Bible it says who he is, and that's what we believe is what's in the Word of God. So I know who Jesus is, and I know where Jesus is. He's on the right hand of the Father, making the intercession for us. Right now, he's making intercession for us when we need him. But more important than knowing where he is, he knows where each of us is. He knows where you are. He knows where I am. He knows the condition of our lives. He knows what we are going through each and every moment of our life. Are you sick, discouraged, out of his will? He's making intercession for you. If you're sick, he's making intercession for you. Uh, Brother Kenneth told me uh, just a little bit ago that his uh, a friend that uh, they, they t- what machine was he on, brother? The vent- he's on a ventilator and took him off of it because his kidneys were shutting down. You say, well, God uh, must not know where he was. He knows exactly where he is. And if he doesn't, if he passes on, he'll be in heaven. We know exactly where Brother Roger is. God knows where Brother Roger is because he's with him now. He knew where he was as he was taking his last breath. He knows where we are, and he's able to help us. Discouraged? He's there making intercession for you. On this earth today, You don't have to go somewhere to find something to be discouraged about. You can be discouraged very easily. Out of his will, not living for him, Jesus is making intercession for you right now. He is, through the Holy Spirit, pleading for you to come back to him and come back and live for him. So I know who he is, I know where he is, and I know where he lives. You say, well, Where he is and where he lives, no, it's not exactly the same. He lives right here. In the person of the Holy Spirit. And somebody that's lost, they can't, well, how do you know they're there? And you know if you're saved that he can't be in there and you not know it. And he can't not be in there and you not you know he's there. You know there's a difference when he saved you and he moved into your life. If somebody, and you heard this before, but if somebody moved in your house, you'd know it for too long, I think, anyway. Unless they uh, liked, really liked the attic and were very quiet. I believe the Gadarean maniac 
knew there was a difference in him when he got saved. He certainly showed on the outside. I believe there was a difference, there was a difference on the inside in him. So I know where he lives. And then I know we will know him. You know, somebody asked, I've heard people ask, how, how, when we get to heaven, how are we going to know who Jesus is? Oh, we're going to know who Jesus is. Matter of fact, I, I preached somewhere, and I won't mention where it's at right now. But I preached, and then somebody got up, or the pastor got up, and he referred, I don't know what you call it. Anyway, somebody there anyway. pastor talked about an hour after I got done preaching. Oh, it was, it was in Sunday school. In Sunday school, uh, the teacher said that everybody in heaven is going to look just like Jesus. But that's not what the Bible says. Right. Let's say we're going to look like him. Say we're going to be like him. We're going to have a, a perfect body, immortal body like he does. We're going to know who Jesus is when we get to heaven. And one of the reasons I know that we'll know is because Nebuchadnezzar knew. Have you ever thought about that? He looked in. He didn't just say there's four men down there. He said there's four men. The fourth one looks like a son of God. Well, how did he know what the son of God looked like? Had nobody there ever saw him before. God had to tell him that's who it was. And I know we talk about doubt Thomas all the time, right? Of course, if you read in Closely in the Gospels, you'll see that all of them doubted him. But uh, Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I see the uh, prince in his hands and I put my hand in the side. And so then the next time Thomas was there and Jesus says, here's my scars, you know. Did he put his hand in him? No. He said, my Lord and my God. He knew who he was. He knew it was Jesus. And you know, the lost will know him too. You don't have to be saved to know who Jesus is when you see him. Philippians 2 and 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. There's going to be no doubt about who Jesus is. No doubt whatsoever. People can cast doubt now all they want to, but one day... There'll be no more doubt casting. There'll be no more unbelieving. Everybody will know. It might, it'll be too late for some to get saved, but they're going to know who he is. Right. And now you're going to think I got off my rocker here a little bit. <laughs> I know exactly how old he is. He's from everlasting to everlasting. <laughs> right? Yes, and you say, well, when did everlasting start? Well, I don't know. It's the everlasting at the other end that I'm worried about. It don't matter when it started. We're gonna, we weren't with him then, but we'll be with him on this end. He's always been. How many, how many hated history in school? You hated history in school. I take my hand down because I loved it. You know, God never had a history class. I mean, nobody sat him down and, and they said, okay, now, God, before, well, before, oh, there wasn't no before. God's always been around, and he always will be. Yes, sir. 
from everlasting to everlasting. And I know his name. Matthew 1 and 21 says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Yes. Now, if you're saved, there's no sweeter name that can come across your lips. You can't hear somebody else say a name sweeter than Jesus. It really, I, don't, I don't like to think about this, but we know it happens and we hear it when people use, and even when they, when they say God, they could actually mean another God, but it's more direct when they use Jesus, the name Jesus, in vain. And actually say his name and cursing while they say it, and they have no idea that there's anything wrong with it. They've heard it all their life, they've done it all their life, and they don't know. But I know who he is to me, and he's my Savior. The sweetest name I know. In sorrow, in trouble, in uncertainty, he brings comfort and joy and love. And sometimes it's just a mention of his name. Now, yes, we do know things about him, but the things of this world get us get our mind off of him and get our mind off of what he can do for us and get our mind off of what he has already done for us. But we hear his name, and it just soothes things down because we know who he is. Number seven, I know his bride. The church, the redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm glad to be part of the bride. One day we're going to have a, a, bridal, a wedding ceremony up in heaven, but right now we know we're part of the bride, and one day we know that we're going to go out to meet him in the air. And it's good to know. But, you know, we ought to live the part of the bride. You know, before a wedding... Uh, the bride will uh, try to do her very best, you know, when, at, when she'll be dressed just, and everything's got to be fixed just, just so, just so. And that's the way we ought to be living for God. We ought to try to live the best that we can. We ought to try to please him because that bride wants to please the groom. The groom wants to please the bride, but the bride wants to please the groom. And we ought to want to please Jesus Christ in our lives. Church, eternally saved to be lost no more. If you're saved, you'll be, you're eternally saved. You'll always be part of the church. And then I know his father. John 6 and 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Then you know the Father. How do I know the Father? Well, I met him right before I met Jesus. Introduced by the Holy Spirit. I know him because he called my name and gave me a personal invitation to Jesus Christ. No, but I've never had an invitation like that any other time. I've had invitations to do this, invitations to go here, invitations to go there, but nothing ever got my attention like the invitation to be saved. I mean, it's an alarming invitation to know that either you answer that invitation and go to heaven or you decline that invitation and go to a place called hell. Many people 
most people will decline the invitation. And does because more people decline it, make it, make it false? No. Does it make it any more not true that they're going to go to hell just because they decline it? Then I know his mother and his brethren. Mark 3 and 35. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. I'm glad that we're not in this alone, that, people, that we have, again, the bride, the church, yes. that are doing the will of God. And we should strive to live for God and to do the will of God. When his mother and brethren came to see him, he didn't see him because he was too busy doing things for the father. Right. Now he's seen before his death, he saw that his mother was taken care of. But at that time, he was busy for the father. and He didn't have time for him. Sometimes we have things to do for the Lord that we have to put things in the world, whether they're good or bad, we have to put them off. And take care of the things of the Lord first. I'm glad I have a spiritual family. Those that are doing the will of God are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. Then I know I will be like him. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall appear, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You go back into the end of the Gospels and see all the things about Christ, the body of Christ, what he could do. The Bible says we're going to be like him. The Bible, we're going to be in heaven with him. We're going to, uh, a lot of things that we think about, well, I can do this and I can do that and I'll be able to do the other. You're not even going to want to do then. You're just going to be in heaven with Jesus. Right. We'll have a immortal body, a perfect body. We'll be able to worship him the way he deserves to be worshipped. We won't have a, uh, just a desire to worship him but we'll be able to worship him we won't have other things on our mind we won't have things distracting us we won't have sin in our lives but we'll have a perfect life to honor and glorify him yes. and then again another one that's going to make you think I'm off a rocker I know exactly when he will return <laughs> three things at least three things are going to happen when he tires of sin, there's going to be a point that God is fed up with the sin of man. When did he send the flood? When he was tired of man's sin. When did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? When he was tired of man's sin. When did he send Jonah to Nineveh? When he was tired of man's sin. God's got a limit. He's got a deadline. He'll return when God's people call out for a deliverer. Right now, we're, we're comfortable. 
Most of God's people, even those that are saved, they're not calling for God. They're not looking for him to come. But Second Peter tells us to be looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. We should be praying for the return of God. You say, well, I got lost loved ones. But guess what? You'll have more lost loved ones next year than you've got this year. Because your family's going to grow. There's only going to be more people born that die and go to hell. But God's long-suffering for those that are here. So when he tires a man's sin, when God's people call out for a deliverer, and when the body of Christ is complete. You see, we don't know how many people is going to be saved. But God does. The last one to get saved, I believe, I don't know, but I believe they're alive now. You hear some people say, well, I believe the Antichrist is alive now. I believe the last one to get saved is alive now. Now, we are here for two things. I said this, I don't know if it was preacher in Sunday school. We're here to glorify God. And lead people to Christ. And when nobody else is going to get saved, what are we going to be here for? The only way to glorify God in is to go to heaven and be with him. And then lastly, I know he loves us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're back to that everlasting, right? When we get saved, we have that everlasting life. Trusting in him is what gets us to everlasting life. You see, I know that he loves me. I know that he loves you. The song says, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. We know all these things because the Bible tells us so. You know, as Christians, we ought to be sure that what we believe, we believe it because it's in the Word of God. Now, that's what you're going to hear preached here. But just because it's always been preached here, and you have confidence it always will be preached here, doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility to know the Word of God yourself. Because if you don't know the Word of God yourself, how will you know if it ever changes? We need to know the Word of God. Not only can you say that I know all of these things because of the Word of God, but you can also turn around the other way. You can't know any of these things if you don't know the Word of God. So the Word of God tells us all these things. Miss Susan comes and plays for us. We stand to our feet. (coughs) Maybe you're here tonight. And you don't know these things. You've never received Christ as Savior. You don't know him. You don't know his name. You don't know that he lives in your heart. That can change. That can change. I have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There one here tonight would say, Preacher, I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. 
I'd like to pray for you. Would you be willing to lift your hand and say, pray for me, preacher. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I'm not 100% sure that Christ is my Savior. Anyone at all. Maybe you're here tonight and you just need to come and pray. Be thank- Maybe just be thankful for the things that he's done. Just to be thankful for what you know because of the word of God. you for this night that you've given us to come to worship you tonight Lord we thank you Lord for those that's come to the altar Lord we pray that there is one here that doesn't know you as their savior Lord Lord the Holy Spirit would deal with their heart Lord just like you uh, dealt with our heart just like you've dealt with every heart that's ever gotten saved Lord and let them know that Jesus Christ loves them Lord and he wants to save them and Lord I pray for all your many blessings Lord all that you do for us in Jesus name we pray